of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. So as we meet Apollos there on the, in the scripture that we just saw, we see that he was an exceptional man, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures. And not only that, but he was excited to tell people about Jesus Christ. He was excited to point people to Jesus Christ. But there was something missing in his life. He was a disciple of John the Baptist, and he only, only knew the baptism of John. So he had not yet been baptized by, um, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He did not know of the great resurrection of our Lord and Savior. He didn't know of that Holy Spirit coming in on him after the Pentecost. He did not know of that possibility of having that relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He just knew of the Jesus that John the Baptist proclaimed to the world. And he did not trust in John. He still believed in Jesus, but he did not have everything right at that time. He did not know the complete story. But Aquila and Priscilla was in their way, and they noticed that he loved the Lord. They noticed that he was eloquently speaking. They noticed that he wanted to share um, Jesus with with the Jewish people in the synagogues. So what they do, and I love how the Bible says, they took him off to the side. They did not publicly embarrass him. They didn't make a big deal out of it. But they pulled him off to the side and accurately shared with him the way of Jesus Christ by believing on him. That he and, and what happened? Apollos did not say, nope, that's not what I believe. This is how I believe. You're going to do it my way or the highway. No. He said, well, yes, if that's the way of Jesus, I'm following Jesus. I'm not following John. John never wanted me to follow him. I'm following the Lord Jesus Christ. So he was baptized, and he continued on after he got caught up um, on the way to believe. He continued on preaching Jesus. And if you hear in 2 Corinthians, later on in Corinthians, when the Apostle Paul speaks, and he says of Apollos, he says, I planted and Apollos watered, but who gave the increase? God. God gave the increase. So we see Apollos, he was incomplete in Christ, Priscilla and Aquila heard him speaking in his synagogues and recognized he was incomplete in Christ, loved him enough to pull him off to the side and share with him how to be saved. Apollos accepted the gospel, was baptized and saved, and continued on preaching the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and people got saved throughout all of Asia. Why? Because he was incomplete, and God moved him from being incomplete and being complete in Christ Jesus. That's what Jesus does. He takes undone people and makes them done. Takes people who are not where they're supposed to be and places them exactly where they're supposed to be. Aren't you thankful you know a Jesus that can do that? 
And that's what happened in Apollos' life. He got moved to where he needed to be. But then we continue on, and, and the Paul is going to bump into 12 more disciples of John who were incomplete. Read with me in Acts chapter 19 now, verses 1 through 7, and we're going to see about these 12 men who were the disciples of John. And it happened, while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have no, not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. He asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit after your baptism? He said, Never heard of that. We don't know what you're talking about. They were what? Incomplete. They only had the baptism of John. Listen to verse 3. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. So the, they were baptized by John, but had never heard of the Holy Spirit. What are we talking about here? We have to understand that John the Baptist was an Old Testament prophet, not a New Testament prophet. God sent John the Baptist to earth, born here, to be the forerunner of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He came simply this, to prepare the way of the Lord, to make straight his path. John the Baptist came to prepare the people to receive Jesus Christ, to get the road ready, to get the lane prepared, to make smooth the path of Jesus when he came. Why is this important for us to understand? Simply this, as John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb, yet before he was even born, when he leaped in his mother's womb, when he heard of the, of the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, until then, God had not spoken, not moved on the nation of Israel for 400 years. For 400 years, God had been silent in that nation. Let me share you something with you right now from the bottom of my heart. And America is in a bad situation today, and yet we hear from God. What would we be in right now if we had not heard from God in 400 years? We're in a bad backslidden slate right now. What would we be in in Israel's shoes if we had not heard from God in 400 years? They were far from God. So God sent John the Baptist to prepare the way of his son Jesus Christ to preach repentance, to wake up Israel to the fact that they were far from God. So John the Baptist came preaching repentance to the people of Israel, to the Jews, to repent of their sins because God was sending to them the Messiah, the Anointed One. He was, the, he was sent to prepare the Jews 
for the coming of the Messiah. And when he baptized them, he did not baptize them into salvation. He baptized them into the Jewish religion as sinners who needed to repent of their sins. They had not heard from God and they needed to hear from God. We today stand in need of hearing from the Lord of the word of the Lord. Today, we need to hear from God. And Paul told them, John's baptism was called was was called for repentance for sin for the Jews. But now Paul pointed them to Jesus Christ. And as soon as they heard the truth of the resurrected Savior, the anointed one, the Messiah, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. These 12 men and Apollos were no longer incomplete, but now they are complete in Christ Jesus. What made the difference? What made the difference in Apollos' life? What made the difference in those 12 men's life? The answer is simply this. Jesus made the difference. Right now, today, every one of us have people in our life that are good people. We say all the time, that person would give you the shirt off of their back. They're honorable people, great citizens, good people to have a conversation with. But they are incomplete. They are not yet done. They've never been covered by the blood of Jesus. What will make them whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What will make them complete? That is by believing in our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. By trusting in him for salvation. God moved Apollos and these 12 men from being incomplete in Christ and making them complete again in Christ Jesus. That's the blessing of who he is. But if we continue on, he bumps into another group in Ephesus. And these, uh, these guys are also the seven sons of Sceva who are incomplete. And I want you to read with me in Acts chapter 20, in Acts chapter 19, verses 8 through 20. And when he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God, but when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. So the first three months he was in Ephesus, he spent in the synagogue. Three, Saturday, three months of Saturdays worth of standing in the middle of the synagogue and teaching and reasoning the way of Jesus Christ. Finally, um, the, they got tired of it and ran him out. And he ended up in the school of Tyrannus. But listen to what happens when he goes there. Many times when we feel like we have to move, it's a bad thing. When we have to be pushed out of some way, it's a bad thing. Many times when we get pushed out of one situation, we get pushed into a better situation. So now he goes into the school of Tyrannus and listen to what happens in verse 10. And this continued for two years. So listen to what happened. That all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. If they would have stayed in the synagogues, would everybody heard it? Just the Jews. But now they got put in the school, 
And now all the people heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now God worked unusual, extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from this, his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. And then some of the internant, internant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by, the, by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirits answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. And fear, fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted, counted up all the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. The third group of people that he bumped into were seven incomplete men who tried to cast out demons in the name of Jesus Christ. God gave power to Paul to perform extraordinary miracles. Extraordinary miracles. He mentions here two items, handkerchiefs and aprons, something that we do not have much of in today's society. But a handkerchief, some of you may have one with you, um, Paul would have taken that, they would have taken Paul's handkerchiefs because he's ministering to 300,000 people just on a daily basis, but then you, it is also the center of everybody coming and going, so there's always people going everywhere. So they could take a handkerchief from the Apostle Paul and take it and touch someone who was sick, just touch them with the handkerchief of Apostle Paul and the disease would leave, or the apron that he used to make the tents that he that he sold to make a living, they would touch and just touch someone, and that person would either evil spirit would leave that person, or that person would be made better from the disease that they had. So God allowed Paul to have these ex extraordinary miracles, so people could see the power of Jesus. When Jesus or Paul did miracles, they had at least three purposes: one, to show his compassion and meet a need. This is one of the hardest things we, we, we deal with today in our, excite, in our society that we live in is how in the world is Jesus not healing everybody? How in the world is he allowing anybody to be sick and not healing absolutely everybody? Because while Jesus was on earth and while Paul was on earth, they, we know of at least 33 different miracles in, in Jesus and then much more even probably with Apostle Paul. But do you believe people died while Jesus was on earth and then while Apostle Paul was on in earth? People still died. They still had sickness. They still had death. There's no way. They did not heal absolutely everybody. 
we me and you struggle with that and understanding what well how could Jesus allow this happen how can Jesus allow this person not to be healed you know what everyone will go and receive the healing as a believer it might be the perfect healing when we go over Jordan into heaven but healing is coming but Jesus did the miracle and Paul did the miracles to show his compassion and meet a need also to teach a spiritual truth and the third thing to present his credentials as a Messiah or in Paul's case to present his credentials as an apostle Paul followed the same pattern that Jesus did miracles was just a proof of his belief in Jesus Christ the second Corinthians chapter 2 in chapter 12 in verse 12 he says when I was with you I certainly gave you proof that I am an apostle for I patiently did many signs and wonders and miracles among you. So Paul did these miracles and wonders so that people could see that he truly was an apostle. And God enabled Paul to perform miracles because Ephesus was a center for the occult at that time. That's where, the, where all the witchcraft was happening. That was all the magicians and the wizards and all that stuff was going on. Acts chapter 19 and 19 tells us that. But Paul demonstrates God's power right in the middle of Satan's territory. I felt spiritual warfare more so in Romania than I've ever felt any place in my life. You could cut it with a knife, the darkness that you could feel in places that would come over you in different places where I, work, where I worked at in Romania. The only place in America that I have been to that would be comparatively to that would be in New Orleans. New Orleans, I felt that, that, that feeling of a, a dark oppression over top of me. But the problem with is this, we have spiritual warfare going on in Louisa, Kentucky, but people ask me, why don't we feel it? Why, why is it that we don't feel it like we would do it in Romania or we would feel it like we do in New Orleans or maybe some other place that you have been? The very simple answer is this, when something dies in your house, um, you smell it at the beginning. But after a while, you get what? Used to it. It still smells. The guests come in, they can still smell it, but you can't smell it as much because you've gotten used to it. The spiritual warfare that was happening to us here in eastern Kentucky and western Virginia is still here, but me and you are so used to it, it doesn't bother us anymore. We're comfortable with the spiritual warfare that we're in. But we need to realize that there is a fight. There is a battle between good and evil, between um, the angels of heaven and the demons of this world that's fighting all around us today. And what we need to understand is that is as real as real can be. And we need to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's what he wants to do more than anything in this world. It was not unusual for Jewish priests to cast out demons. If you read the Old Testament, you can find in many cases there were Jewish priests that that's what they did. They would cast out demons um, in the Old Testament. And you can see that on multiple occasions in the Old Testament. Um, it was not unusual for, for Jewish priests to do this. But let me share something with you that we need to be reminded. 
just like we were reminded of John the Baptist being an Old Testament prophet, preaching about the New Testament coming, the new covenant of the blood of Christ coming. Now you find yourself, Sceva and the seven, seven sons of Sceva, you find yourselves in the same situation. They are Old Testament prophets now living in a New Testament world. So what they did in the Old Testament now does not work in the New Testament. What they did under the Old Covenant does no longer work under the New Covenant. They are no longer holy priests doing the work of God. They are just people. Because they no longer have that old covenant. It is what? It's gone. But now it's Jesus under the new covenant. So these Old Testament priests that used to be able to cast out demons like they did back in the day by reading the, the, the Torah and stuff of that nature, now that does not work. And they're saying, what's going to happen? I, I can't work. But now we see the Apostle Paul doing this and demons are being cast out. So the only thing we can do is just switch gears here a minute and we'll say, you know, get out in the name of Jesus. So that's what happened. The, the, what made it unusual was for the Jewish priests to try to do an exorcism in the name of Jesus Christ. They had no personal relationship with Jesus, so they could, how in the world could they use his name to do the work? You know what I think they are? They're the first people who name dropped. Have you ever name dropped somebody you may not have ever met before in your life? Well, I know so and so. Well, so what? You know, if you know so and so, or, or whatever it is, they, I, they they just name dropped Jesus. But the problem was this: they did not have a relationship with Jesus. And when they told the demon to leave in the name of Jesus, the demon looked at them and said, "Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? Who?" are you these weirdos thought that they get away with something just by saying the name of Jesus I was attacked in the marketplace by a gypsy and she had her both of her hands pulling on my head as hard as she could pull trying to get hair out of my head and what she was going to do is when she got my hair out of my head, she was going to make a voodoo doll of me and stick needles in me. Bless her heart. Don't you love people like that? Um, but she was jerking on my hair as hard as she could. And man, I don't know if you could do that, but if you want to pull somebody's hair, give smaller bites. You know what I'm saying? Like two or three. Don't grab a whole handful. Man, that hurts. Um, she's pulling my hair. And I was probably 22 years old, and I was always taught not to hit women. That went out the window. Because um, she was bigger than me in the first place. And she was meaner looking than me. And um, I took my fist, and I hit that little lady as hard as I could possibly hit, and it did not even bother her. I felt like Hulk Hogan hitting Andre the Giant. You know what I'm saying? And they didn't even move. It didn't even, they didn't even bother her whatsoever. And then a security card came, and he was beating her over the top of the head, and it didn't bother her. She was just screaming that, and, and just screaming and trying to pull that hair. And I screamed at the top of my tongue, mouth at that time, my Mari Cadelist and Mini de Cadelist and Tini. And she dropped her hands. And the only thing I said is, 
Greater is he that is in me than he that is in you. And she walked off. Left me and that guard standing there just looking at each other. What in the world happened? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. We need to be reminded of something so important today. These seven men did not belong to the Lord, even though that they knew the Lord's name. They didn't belong to him. You know people in your life today that know the name of the Lord, that know of the Lord, but do not have a relationship with him. And these seven brothers tried to act like they knew Jesus to make some money, and it didn't work. I want to share something with you this morning is this. The Lord knows your name. John chapter 10 verse 3 says this. The sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Lord Jesus loves you. Not only does he know your name, but he's bottled up every tear you've ever cried. He has counted every hair that is upon your body. He knows of everything in your life. And he loves you. He loves you where you're at right now. He loves you enough and me enough that he don't want us to stay where we're at right now. That he wants to move us to where we need to be. But he knows everything about you. And what this world is telling you is the greatest lie that has ever been told. This world tells you that there's going to be a party one day in hell. There are no parties going to go happening in hell. Hell is very what it is. It is completely a bottomless pit. There is no firm foundation in hell. There is no place to stand in hell. There are no jokes going to be told in hell. There are no lights. There's no brightness. Total darkness with gnashing of teeth where the worm dieth not. Nothing in hell is going to resemble a party of anything we would want to be a part of. People act like the devil likes them. We've heard all our lives, people want to go where people know their name. The devil does not care what your name is. The devil hates you. He hates you more than anything in the world because that's who he is. John chapter 10 verse 3 tells us of the shepherd. But if you go down seven verses, he tells us of the thief. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have life more abundant. That's who the devil is. The devil has stolen from you. He has stolen from me because he's a thief. He hates you and he hates me. That's what he wants is to kill and destroy and he has done his job well. But the shepherd wants to give life and that more abundantly. 
What happened in this exorcism is pretty amazing. When he, they proclaimed the Jesus' name, that guy who had the demons in him, the Bible says that he, he jumped on him, all seven men in the house, and literally beat the socks off of them. And they ran out of that house naked and bloody. Why? Because they were incomplete. They had never believed upon the resurrected Jesus Christ, even though they knew his name. They were still undone. But something good did happen. In verse 18, the Bible teaches us of a blessing that came from this. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. It started a revival among the people in Ephesus who had been living in sin. And they came when they saw this. It brought their attention that they needed to confess their sins and to believe in Christ Jesus. And they did not count the cost of, of this for repentance. Number one reason why people do not repent today in this world is that it costs too much. They, want to, they do not want to give up that which they are enjoying at that time. The reason they don't want to repent of that sin is because they don't want to quit doing that sin. So no one wants to repent because of the count. The, the, they've counted the cost of that sin. Here the Bible says they counted the cost and it was 50,000 pieces of silver is what the cost was. 150 years of salaries. Today's money, $7.5 million. But yet what did they do? They repented of their sins and became complete. They brought all these books of their magicians that they had spent all this money on of the, of the, of the, the, the curses that they would put on people and all the things that they would read. And they brought all these books that cost $7.5 million and they laid them down and they burned them because that was their sin. They was trusting in that stuff instead of trusting in Jesus, and they wanted no part of it anymore. Are you complete in Jesus by his blood? Have you repented of your sins, or are you undone and lacking something today? Our call is, is still this, trust in Jesus today. And as believers, we still have something to realize out of this scripture as well. What are you missing in your relationship with the Lord right now? I still, like, I still feel like I'm missing something. As a believer, and you have a feeling in your heart that you're missing something, you know what you're probably doing? Probably missing something. That's how God works. He allows us to understand that He wants us to grow he wants us to be more like His Son, Jesus Christ. And He puts in our heart, through the conviction of His Holy Spirit, of understanding that we're missing something. And if this morning you're standing there and saying, "Is you know, I'm missing something in my walk with the Lord, what is it? Look into your prayer life. Are you missing that time of prayer alone in your closet? Are you missing that time of prayer 
with your wife, your children? Are you missing that time of prayer with your church family? Are you missing that prayer time with God? Are you having in your life an unconfessed sin that you're just hiding and you're missing confessing that sin? Are you hiding, um, uh, missing that desire of God's word because of the world that's come so sneaking in on you? Have you missed worship? Have you missed Bible study? Have you missed serving God? Good news is this. He is faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're missing something today, call out to Jesus and he will make you complete. You know, I've hear people say it all the time is they're scared of what's going to happen when they cross over into heaven cross over Jordan into the afterlife one of my jobs as a preacher is what I call them deathbed conversations unfortunately a lot of people don't get a deathbed conversation they just go on out without any but what happens if I come to your deathbed I hope it's not anytime soon for any of us. No matter if I've known you for two days or one day or I've, met, known, I've known you my whole entire life, what I'm going to do is the same thing I've been doing my whole life and I've been trained to do. I'm going to put my hand on your hand and I'm going to walk you through the plan of salvation. And it happens every single time. When people realize that I'm doing that, they look at me and say, Preacher, what are you doing? I'm already saved. I've been saved longer than you've been alive. And I say, hush. Let me finish this. And I go through the plan of salvation. And by the time I'm ending on it, you'll see a tear coming down their face. And they say, you know what? I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. When I walk through that gate of heaven or see that light or whatever that's going to look like I'm not going to have to say well this is what I've done and this is what I didn't do and this is where I went and this is where I didn't go what I'm going to be able to say is I'm covered by the blood of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ I'm completely complete in him my sins have been forgiven And I'll do that with everybody. Why? That's the greatest peace that you can give me as a preacher. That I can tell people, you know what, I know where this guy's at. I know where this young lady's at. I know where this sister's at. They're with Jesus. Complete in him. I don't want to stand before God and get an incomplete. I want to stand before the Lord that day and him say this very thing. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in to your reward. I want to be complete in Christ Jesus. How can that be done? It can only be done by trusting in Jesus for salvation. Believing that he died, 
that he was buried in that borrowed tomb. And on that third day, he resurrected from the grave victorious over death. And by believing on him, you too shall be saved. That's the greatest gift anybody could ever receive. Apollos loved the Lord. He loved telling people about the Lord. But he wasn't complete. He still had yet believed upon Jesus. But Apollos and Sapphira put their arms around him, pulled him aside, and showed him the way, the accurate way of the Lord. And he got saved and baptized. The twelve men, they were out there telling people. They just didn't know what they were talking about. They'd been baptized with John. They knew Jesus. That's all they knew. But Apollos and Paul told them accurately the way of the Lord, the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. They were no longer incomplete. They were complete. Those seven sons, those weirdos, you know what I pray? That we'll see them in heaven one day. After they got that whooping that Ajax wouldn't take off. Has anyone ever received one of them, a couple of them? Maybe they sat there and said, you know what? Instead of name dropping Jesus, I want to believe in Jesus. Maybe they would have believed upon the Lord. We don't know. We'll see one day. And I'll get in trouble for calling them weirdos. But what happens is this. Is Jesus is able to move you this morning from being incomplete to complete. Stop trusting in yourself and in others. I love my mama and my papa, but they're not the ones who got me to salvation. They showed me, they pointed me, but they didn't save me. It's me believing in Jesus Christ that saved my soul. Put your faith in the Lord this morning, incomplete or complete. Lord God, I'd ask that you would change our hearts, knowing, Lord, that we need you today. Lord, you're our only hope. You're our only chance. You're our only shot. Lord, we put our faith completely in you. I pray for the one who's struggling today. They know they're incomplete. They know they've not yet made that move. And I know this world is holding them back. Those 50 pieces of silver is a lot. But Lord, I'd ask for you to have them throw that down today and come to your son, Jesus Christ, and believe on him. And Lord, so I pray for us believers who's missing something today. Lord, I'd ask that you forgive us. Allow us to do that which you've called us to do. Change our hearts, Lord Jesus. In your precious name we do pray. Amen. Let's stand and respond, Lord, to the invitation given this morning.